We have a tendency to deal with customer negotiations one tactical step at a time without a vision of where we're trying to take it. Well, as a result, we find ourselves totally reactive in these kind of moments. You're listening to the Audible Ready Podcast, the show that helps you and your teams sell more faster. We'll feature sales leaders sharing their best insights on how to create a sales engine that helps you fuel repeatable revenue growth. Presented by the team at Force Management, a leader in B2B sales effectiveness. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Audible Ready Podcast. I'm Rachel Clapmiller, and today I'm joined by our own Tim Cato. Hi, Tim. Hello, Rachel, and hello, everybody. And today we're going to be talking about sales negotiation, but a component of it that a lot of organizations may miss when they're trying to get better outcomes from negotiation. And that's what happens internally. Yep. Um, and that is a big, big issue, Rachel. You know, when we do sessions live, it's fun to watch selling organizations when we talk about customer negotiations and they kind of lean in. And then I ask them about the internal negotiations. And there is a universal reaction to that phrase, some version of a wince or an ouch or ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I know that you've even worked with some organizations that just have incredible bottlenecks and you don't really think about them as you're kind of moving through your own internal sales process. But when you take a step back and you look at them as an organization, it can be eye-opening to say the least. Well, as one of our clients recently talked about their internal process, they basically said it's a hot mess. (laughs) And when you step back and look at it as an outsider, you really scratch your head, right? In this particular organization, they had eight different silos of approvals, whether it was the services organization, a product organization, a sales organization, a finance organization, a legal organization. And, you know, they had as a result, because there were different, you know, functions coming together in their biggest enterprise accounts, you had three different pricing teams that came in. Then there was a whole additional management approval process. So when you looked at an individual rep navigating that complexity, you can start to see not only is it a bottleneck, but more than anything else, Rachel, it has a huge impact on the value those organizations are able to capture in a negotiation. And you see that value leak out the backside of a a negotiated agreement, not because of what's going on with the customer, but because of what's going on internally. Right. And I know some of you out there listening are nodding your head and putting your hands in the air, telling Tim Cato to preach because you know this all too well. And, you know, in some cases we think, oh man, how did we get here? But all those systems, as many silos as there may be, they were set up for a reason. But when we add the layers and the layers of bottlenecks into the negotiation process, you mentioned, Tim, you're losing value for you as a company. It can be complex for the customer. And really, it's killing our salespeople and a lot of these organizations who are just trying to make their number. Yeah. And you know, just to highlight that a little bit, Rachel, we always ask early on in our engagements, where does a new rep go to get guidance on what good looks like and where do they go to understand the internal approach they need to take to secure that version of good and in almost every case 
in those more complex organizations, Rachel, the answer is some version of, well, you just have to be here long enough or you rely on your manager. And of course, I always chuckle at that one because the manager is likely the manager because they were the super rep that successfully navigated and knew how to work through the systems, the shortcuts, and now they're the manager. And guess what they're going to leverage? For the, you know, the, the, the opportunities they're trying to support their people. And so, you know, your point is one that is exactly right. That structure and that internal approach typically exists for a reason, but what is going on is it typically exists for multiple reasons, and those reasons have not been coordinated. We work with organizations that are in a highly regulated industry. Well, guess what? Legal is a really important reason to secure those approvals to make sure that we remain compliant with those regulations, but if that's not aligned with the approvals our services organization needs to make to make sure that we're effectively managing those precious resources we have or the product folks that are looking at evolution of different versions of their product and want to make sure that they're on the most current version so they can support it you know it, it, the list just goes on and on so all those are understandable the problem is they're not coordinated Right. And I've heard you say before that it just hurts the visibility of the deal. Only certain people know what's going on in the deal and the other people are not able to make great decisions for the company based, based on that. And we've said it before to correct this, you need to treat negotiation as an organizational competency, something that the organization needs to function, which also means you need to have a few essential questions answered as a company. The essential questions we talk about a lot uh, with a lot of our areas of effectiveness and with negotiation, we do have essential questions, especially as it relates to your internal process. There you go, Rachel. And, and you know, you, you said a lot there. I just want to unpack a couple quick things. Limited visibility to opportunities. When you're managing in that internal negotiation that's really complex, what ends up happening is we unintentionally rely on the individual sellers or sales teams and their manager to navigate through that complexity. And what ends up happening is each individual group only has visibility to their part of the, let's say, the internal approval process or internal negotiation. So legal may say yes to one thing. Finance may say yes to one thing. Product may say yes to one thing. Services says yes to one thing. But the only people with visibility to the whole opportunity are the reps themselves, usually. And as a result, one group maybe says yes to a concession because it's tolerable to them, as opposed to let's say yes to a concession so that we can get more of what we want in this other area. And so that's where the value gets impacted. So not just a bottleneck, it actually impacts the value that we can capture. And oh, by the way, you can only imagine the frustration of customers that raise an issue and they have to wait for us to go back and navigate through that system, which usually takes a lot of time. So, you know, to make this work more effectively, Rachel, we do believe there are some things that can be done, to your point, organizationally, that actually make managing that system much more agile and more effective. And we kind of get at those things we can do organizationally 
through these essential questions. Like the first one, Rachel, right? Mm -hmm. I can make sure ahead of time that everybody in the organization knows, are there some high level interests that we wanna make sure get protected in every single negotiation. For example, if one of our strategic priorities in the organization is, let's say we're a, a subscription business or a SaaS business, we want to mitigate churn. One of the things I know is that our success team that works with the customer and drives not only adoption, but drives activation, what ends up happening is when we do that, we minimize churn. So one of the, you know, the high level interests is we want to engage with the customer in a long-term success plan, not just implementing our solutions, right? So that might be an example or on the customer side, they may have high level interest where they're trying to, you know, focus on the number of suppliers they're working with or there might be trying to merge two different companies that have recently, you know, one acquired the other one. They're trying to launch into a new part of the business. What are those high level priorities that we know in every single one of our agreements, we wanna make sure we're focused on. So that's the first one. What specific interests need to be preserved in those customer agreements for both sides? Yeah, specific interests. And the next one, you mentioned priorities, but then this next question is really what strategic priorities need to be in every deal. And this one is really making sure you're negotiating deals that align with that overall company strategy. Well, and that's where you get specific, you know, the next level of being specific from that first question. Now we're getting at the things that go into agreement. I've always said, you know, a great agreement should reflect the strategic priorities of both sides. We see this a lot in renewals, Rachel, where the source document, when it's time to do a renewal, we pull out the last contract, which may have been done three years ago, which could have been a renewal from an original deal done two or three renewals ago. It, it could be we're operating off of a 15-year-old document that's been tweaked every two or three years, yet, both organizations have likely significantly evolved beyond that, and their strategic priorities are different. You know, I, I don't know how topical we want to make this right now, Rachel, but in the business environment we're operating in right now, you know, in this pandemic world we're operating in, a lot of strategic priorities have shifted significantly. So negotiated agreements with customers, whether those are big renewals, big uh, new deals, or the daily negotiations that take place ought to reflect the new definition of good, right? And to me, the new definition of good has to be aligned with the strategic priorities for both sides. And that is evolving constantly. Yeah, that's a great point that you bring up about, you know, pulling out the old contract. And if you've signed long agreements, you know, you could be a whole new company as fast as these companies are growing right now. And the next question aligns with those first two is we also need to know specifically what the give gets are that align with those interests. Yeah, you know, what do we know, Rachel, is that we are eventually going to get into a back and forth. <laughs> you know, I ask people up front, what percentage of your deals will involve a negotiation to close it? And they all go like uh, 110%. What part of your implementations 
will involve negotiation. What, even though you got an agreement, how much of the implementation will you be negotiating? SLAs, number of users, things like that, and, and changes, and they'll say, absolutely. What percentage of your renewals uh, or upsell, cross-sell will involve negotiation? Always 100%, right? And I ask them, well, when are you gonna start preparing for those? Well, when we're in the negotiation, right? Well, no. I know I think one of the best things an organization can do is to make sure that those that are involved in negotiating, whether it's the frontline customer facing team or whether it's those approval functions and senior leaders that might be involved in some of the more complex negotiations, I want to make sure everybody's clear. What's the priority of list of things we'd be willing to give or most likely willing to give in exchange for the prioritized list of the things we'd like to gain in return? By the way, Rachel, to your point, aligned with the strategic priorities of both sides. I'm much more likely going to get the things that are of value to my organization and help the customer get what's of value to their organization if I've mapped this out in the beginning. And unfortunately, when it gets in the back and forth part of a negotiation, people are typically referencing their historical perspective, not necessarily the agreed upon current perspective of uh, their organization guided by their strategic priorities. Yeah, so it's important to nail those give gets and that you're reps or your teams that are selling the account know what those are. So the next question gets really down to the tactics. What negotiation tactics are challenging us in our opportunities and how do we address them? Here, where you want to determine where your reps are being challenged across the board. Yeah, and you know, it's kind of like the first three have to do with our mapping out the landscape of what's going on, what's the relevant context or background for the negotiation. Now we're focusing, Rachel, on who and what are we dealing with coming from the other side? What are those tactics that either historically we know are going to get laid on us? What are the tactics that are just rampant in our industry? What are the tactics that might be tied to a few specific individuals within this account? Oh, by the way, What's our tactical plan, right? But you know, the big one I'm looking at right now is when we work with, with folks in negotiations, it's amazing to me how many of the tactical issues that folks are dealing with are very, very predictable. And you knew they were coming, like the classic one. Well, they're threatening us with competitive pricing. They're gonna send this bit out for a bid, an RFP. You know, our competitors are willing to buy the business. Well, while those are certainly challenging, they are way more predictable. And the time to deal with those is way upstream. So by asking ourselves that question, what we're really looking at there, the, the question behind the question, Rachel, is what could we be doing now to get out in front of this thing to minimize the chance that it will have a negative impact on us, to minimize the challenge it will represent, but also, even if we can't proactively deal with it, we're better prepared in the moment when it actually surfaces. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, Tim, the last essential question, I think this one sort of wraps everything up. What is our negotiation strategy? I ask it every time, Rachel. I just <laughs> want to know, summarize. Don't tell me all the challenges. Don't tell me how unreasonable the other side is. 
Don't tell me they've got to do this or they got to. I simply want to know what's our strategy. Here's what we found, Rachel. There is an extremely high correlation between someone's ability to articulate their strategy and their ability to execute it. Go figure, right? Yeah. But you know what ends up happening is we have a tendency to deal with customer negotiations one tactical step at a time without a vision of where we're trying to take it. Well, as a result, we find ourselves totally reactive in these kind of moments. So making something negotiation and organizational capability, part of it is we've identified the optimal strategy for us to take forward. And here's the second part that's important here, Rachel, everyone on the team understands the strategy and understands what they need to do to support it. I know our listeners, Rachel, will have probably never experienced this, but believe it or not, we've worked with some clients where the owners of the customer relationship are absolutely clear on their strategy and someone flies in from externally. Maybe it's a partner, maybe it's a senior manager, maybe it's someone from the product well-intentioned show up and say something that is contrary to the strategy that's being being worked for months and now all of a sudden guess what we now have a challenging negotiation because someone was included on the strategy so this is actually if you are able to answer that question what is our negotiation strategy my guess is you've already answered the first four. So, you know, yeah. to me, that's really the culmination of all of this. Yeah. And to your earlier point, Tim, well, the point you've been making throughout this podcast is if you know the strategy, if everyone understands the strategy, that allows you to get ahead of potential problems and work early, which is a key to making all of this uh, effective. Yeah. And, you know, Rachel, the, the bottom line to all of this if I could have a word to replace the idea of internal negotiation, that word is alignment. How do we make sure that we are all aligned in what it is we're negotiating for, and then we're all aligned on how we're going to go about doing that, which ultimately gets uh, you know, translated to alignment with our champions inside the customer? on, you know, they're going to be helping us manage this negotiation. So that alignment, I think it's really hard to achieve external alignment with our customers if we don't have internal alignment within our own organization on our priorities for negotiation, our give gets in the negotiation, our tactics and the way we're going to management, and ultimately it all rolls up to alignment on our negotiation strategy. And that is absolutely an organizational competency. Absolutely. Well, we have a lot of resources on negotiation. Uh, Tim has been a part of a lot of them. We have several webinars, one sheets, blogs. They are linked in the show notes, so be sure to check those out. And I'll just recap quickly these essential questions. What are the specific interests that need to be preserved in customer agreements for both sides? What strategic priorities should be on every deal? What are the give gets that align with those interests and priorities? What negotiation tactics are challenging us and our opportunities? And what is the negotiation strategy? That's the million dollar question. Tim, thanks so much for this conversation. I know a lot of people are going to get some value out of listening to you go through those. 
Thanks, Rachel. Appreciate the opportunity to talk to you about it. All right. And thank you to all of you for listening to the Audible Ready Podcast. At Force Management, we're focused on transforming sales organizations into elite teams. Our proven methodologies deliver programs that build company alignment and fuel repeatable revenue growth. Give your teams the ability to execute the growth strategy at the point of sale. Our strength is our experience. The proof is in our results. Let's get started. Visit us at forcemanagement.com. You've been listening to the Audible Ready Podcast. To not miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Until next time.